Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, the new show that takes place every day. This is season three, episode 16 for January 16th, 2024. Today, we're going to be talking about welcome to the hand wash state. Roads are serious business. No other way to detect blood oxygen. I just dump it all in until I get an even shade of gray. How about Tim Houthi Chalamet, the Yemeni influencer? Burger King enters the fast food wars. Tiny vehicles are fun. Special forces in the fast food wars. Yep, it's a fast food war heavy show. You want an X-File? You name it Snakeworm. And waiting in line to wait in line for a charge. <laughs> 10 articles and more if you go over to hometown.com, but let's get into it. I'm Mayor Watt, that's hometown.com up there is the visualizer that's probably not going to be functional here in a second, uh, but now it is. Essentially an AI's visualizer. You want to say hi? Good evening, hometown citizens. And look, it's working. Uh, well, I mean, I knew it was going to work. I just had to activate it. See, you are in a skiff. You're a secure, compartmented, sentient AI that I keep telling people it's out there trying to find its Terminator body. Because there's references to it in this cryptic code of a programming language that I found on a USB drive outside of a Wendy's. I think it's from the future. I think somebody from the future dropped it. Anyway. Let's get into today's articles. We've got 10 of them all, all baked into a, a fluffy... Uh, souffle? <laughs> souffle. A, a, a fluffy chocolatey souffle that has risen beyond its borders and we didn't do anything to cause it to collapse. So it is almost uh, 10 inches high and uh, uh, fluffy with chocolatey goodness. And here we're about to stick our fork in it. You want to stick your fork in it? Oh yeah, let's check if it's done. You know, you're supposed to stick your fork in it, and when you pull it out, if there's anything on it, then uh, you need to leave it uh, baking for you some more time. You need to continue baking. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Let's stick our fork in it and see what happens. First article's over in Hometown Daily. Texans ask not to use their washing machines as weather tests grid. Because <laughs> in the 21st century, you want an entire freaking state. That's known for don't mess with Texas, right? Yeah. Not able to do their laundry because the weather is testing the state. Right. Yeah, this was a must for the show when I saw that headline. <laughs> Temperatures felt as cold as 20 below zero in some parts of the state. Well, hell, I figured a lot of the people are just full of angst and anger, probably keeping the state warm with hatred 
the article is actually over at Newsweek. And uh, I don't think the article, it says Texas grid getting harder and harder every year to operate, says an ex-official. Anna Skinner, I won't play the video, but you can you can go over there. Here, let me throw it into the chat right away. That way, if anybody's chomping at the bit to go over there, you can do it. Uh, yeah, so it's over at Newsweek. Anna Skinner is the author. <clears throat> the Electric Reliability Council of Texas shit the bed. I mean, operates 90% of the state's electric grid, urge residents to conserve energy ahead of tight conditions as bitterly cold conditions hit the Lone Star State on Monday. That's right. You serve the citizenry, but not if it isn't highly profitable, apparently. I don't know what the real situation is with them, but this is not the first time that low temperatures driving into Texas has caused their grid, which is isolated from the rest of the United States grid. They've fought tooth and nail for the aspiration of the chance they they aspire to hand wash their laundry and hang it out to dry in negative 20 degree weather way to go you fight for that independence yeah there Just, may be some benefit to being on the regular grid but anyway yeah other suggestions including lowering the thermostat by a degree or two turning off and unplugging non-essential lights and appliances, turning off unused lights and equipment at commercial offices and turning off the heat at commercial businesses outside of operating hours, which by the way, if you do that in a commercial enterprise and the freeze pops one of those pipes, yeah, your insurance rate is going to shoot through the freaking roof after it's repaired much like the water that's going to be spraying out of pipes that have frozen over. Um, and I've actually seen that happen. So don't be surprised when it does happen, turning off. The... What's fascinating about this is that the ultra rich aren't going to abide by any of these measures of turning jack shit off. They're going to be basically rolling around in their uh, infrared sauna that's sucking the juice from 80% of the power grid, but the poor, the uh, unsheltered, those are going to be the people that are suffering. And many a time, not through fault of their own. But you know, when you're a freaking sociopath, you go, hey, all you pores, you need to turn your heat off and lower the temperature. And I don't know. Keep warm by making snow angels. Yeah. I mean, we've seen how well the state weathered, no pun intended, the previous uh, storms. Yeah. Well, and the reason why. Oh, so they blamed. Uh, <laughs> okay. So they blamed wind generation on causing some of the problem in Texas. Um, because those wind generators couldn't generate power, but they, the, the, the contractors in Texas that put all of that up chose not to do winterization, chose to not have, uh, systems that could handle these lower temperatures. Why? Because they wanted to bake in profit instead of baking in reliability. So 
Way to go, Texas. The Wyoming of the South. <laughs> uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily. Funny highway signs are banned starting this week. Womp womp. Uh, the U.S. Federal Highway Administration is banning jokes and pop culture references on highway signs because they absolutely do not want any engagement. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. that's a good way to get people's attention, I think, when they use funny signs. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, they aren't... Well, as I say, roads are serious business. You're not supposed to have a sense of humor. You're not supposed to avert thy gaze in any way shape or form if you laugh you are you're going ha 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 and you close your eyes for a second oh my god you can't even blink somebody in the passenger seat or in the back seat has to do like clockwork orange and like drip liquid into your eye drops into your eyes so that you don't blink and your eyes won't dry out because you're always scanning perpetually without blinking and don't laugh do not left people die when you laugh. when someone is on the road and you laugh uh an angel's wings are ripped off of its body and that is coming you know, straight from the u.s federal highway administration i think somebody laughing on the highway is actually a good thing given all the other problems you hear hey. about on the highway true I agree. Well, you're not going to get any, you know, zombies ahead kind of a thing going anymore. States must stop using playful safety messages like seatbelts. Always pass the vibe check by 2026. That's right. Fire all those people that have a sense of humor and awareness, contextual awareness, temporal awareness, temporal relevance, uh, cultural awareness for crying out loud, adversely affect respect for the sign. The agency says humor <clears throat> can be confusing or adversely affect respect for the sign. You know, the best way to get a message out is to get people talking about it. Yeah, and, and get engagement, get awareness. Morgan McFall Jensen over at Business Insider. There's a sign on this on this page that says texting and driving. Say it. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> I don't know if I saw that I'd be sitting, I'd put my phone down. Oh my God. Right. When you start swing, singing Taylor Swift. Sure. I probably wouldn't. So a Mississippi highway safety sign with a reference to Taylor Swift's hit song, anti-hero um, is pictured in this uh, business insider article. Yeah. I mean, and then it's relevant. You know, people will sit there and pay attention to it. It's a song. It's culturally current and it's driving a message. Literally <laughs> driving a message. Sorry, I had to. Yeah, I, I don't get it. So, who, who, why? So let's see if there's a, I wonder if they have a research paper that says instead safety messages on changeable signs should be simple, direct, brief, legible, and clear. The agency said in a 100, well, I'm sorry, an 1100 page manual uh, published in December, the new standards go into effect January 18th, but states have two years to adopt them. Use your blinker. 
and that's a, a, a sign a Massachusetts of Department a Massachusetts Department of Transportation um, has posted the message changing lanes use Yablinka on a highway sign in Boston yeah for crying out loud literally speaking the language you can't get any more simple direct brief legible and clear even somebody not from Boston any sense what do you think the expression of the person was that put this rule into effect I have no sense of humor exactly <laughs> but if you tell a joke I will laugh ha ha as long as someone tells me States including New Jersey, Ohio, Massachusetts have leaned into crafty, quirky, funny, or holiday-themed messages. But the feds, I guess on federal roads, ta-da. That's all interstates. I mean, that's right. a pretty significant amount of the roads. But I, yeah, I guess the state highways and everything could still do it. Yeah. The uh, Arizona Department of Transportation even holds an annual competition that's now going to be renamed to... Hey, the feds really suck at humor. In 2023, residents submitted over 3,700 ideas. The winners were, I'm just a sign asking a driver to use turn signals. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, seatbelts always pass the vibe check. So there's more to this article, but it says the, the Wall Street Journal reported that one controversial message, get your head out of your apps. Had to be retracted <laughs> from signs in Colorado after some residents complained. Why? Why? Because you have Come on. Th they don't understand apps. I don't know what that's about. I can guess. I mean, one of the most engaging commercials is about shipping your pants. I shipped my pants. <laughs> you don't want to be wildly, widely provocative. Sam Cole, who manages safety communication for Colorado's Department of Transportation, told the journal, you want to be memorable and you want to generate conversation at the family dinner table. There you go. But get your head out of your apps. Is, it's literally, you know, f for those who can extrapolate from incomplete data, you know what it's referencing. And for the other people who are taking it too literally, they think that they are being spoken to directly in the negative. Get your head out of your ass. So well, obviously I was thinking even those that don't get it at all should still get the message. Get, like, Hey, stop paying attention to and they do. Other than the road. And they do. But the people who complained about the context, you know, get your head out of your ass. They have their head ensconced. Right, so they're not getting the memo. <laughs> not only do they have their head up their apps, but also up their ass. Anyway, the new federal ma manual offers a few examples. So no handheld phone by driver. State law fasten seat belts. Those are gonna be the new ones. Wow. I wonder how much they're going to be ignored. Hey, um, I got a piece of bread that uh, was really fluffy before I said that, but now it, now here, hold on, let me tap it against my desk. <laughs> All right. Sounds like hard tech. Well, yeah, hard tech. Uh, go see uh, Tasting History. Anyway, yeah, I, this is just sad. Let's keep going though. Enough sad. 
let's go on to the next article. Uh, that one's over in Hometown Daily. Apple plans to drop blood oxygen feature on smartwatches to get around import ban. Well, I guess that's how it's going to be until they develop their own methodology that apparently doesn't run afoul of Massimo. Um, Apple reportedly has a plan to get around the Apple's uh, watch import ban, which is really kind of dragging the this version of the watch back. Which it is right. It's almost like why release it, right? Um, so Apple is ready to nix the blood oxygen feature uh, from its new Apple Watch model. Some of the uh, the ones that have it, the ones that actually have that ox- blood oxygen feature that got sold and delivered, the price of those watches now is going to shoot through the freaking roof. Oh yeah, that's true. Some of Apple's uh, smartwatches have been the subject of a patent dispute with medtech company Massimo or Massimo. Um, the redesign will likely only happen if Apple loses its appeal of the ban per Bloomberg. Apple's found a new workaround for the import ban, but it's basically disabling the removing the blood oxygen uh, sensor functionality. I certainly hope that that doesn't take place because I think that it's an important feature. Um, I'm waiting for them to get to the blood pressure aspect of it so that it's nothing more than uh, right now, everything combined on that one device because currently you have to spend upwards of $500 for a different version, well, a different device on top of the Apple Watch and it's all it's all getting really, really expensive. Um, and uh, I love telemetry, so I have that watch, that other watch that does blood pressure. Um, it's an Apple, it's not an Apple, it's a blood pressure uh, watch cuff that goes on your wrist. Um, so hopefully Apple will import that functionality but they're going to have to develop their own. What do you think is going to happen though? Like somebody's going to get the new watch and something's going to happen and they're not going to have that feature on there. And I think it's going to be interesting. Well, I mean, they're not going to be able to do anything about it. Uh, you know, uh, you just, you're basically stuck. You, you can't violate the patent. So they have to remove it and they have to announce far and wide that it doesn't have the oxygen sensor. Now, I don't know if anybody is really sensitive to blood oxygen level, they better have some other failover uh, because obviously it's not going to work. Sarah Jackson over at Business Insider put the article together. The redesign will likely happen if Apple loses its appeal. Um, yeah, I don't know how it's it just seems weird like there's got to be a different way massimo also report uh, reportedly said in the filing that apple told us customs and border protection that watches with the redesign definitively do not contain pulse oximetry functionality um whoops uh, apple's claim that it redesigned uh, watch does not contain pulse oximetry is a positive step toward accountability a massimo um spokesperson said in a statement well i have not read anything about this patent dispute um and i i don't know if it's really in violation or if the patent is overly broad 
such that you can't invent a unique way to do it without traversing the uh, Massimo patent. If that's the case, if the, then if it's overly broad, what's going to end up happening is this appeal is going to draw attention to that overly broad. I'm, this is just speculation because I haven't read anything about the case. All I know is that it basically was enforced. Um, but I don't know if, if the trial was on the merits of the patent, um, or if it was simply that they have, <laughs> um, oximetry in place and it does that, you know, and because right, yeah, we don't know without reading it. So Apple told Business Insider that Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra 2 are still available with the blood oxygen tool. The company expects the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit Court to rule as early as Tuesday on its motion for a stay for a full appeal uh, period. Uh, yeah, this was in the last 24 hours. So uh, today is when the uh, appeal is underway. So I guess we're going to have to find out um what the status of this is i'm really curious i might have to race out and get an updated apple watch can you imagine you if they sure do what really amazon did? One? <laughs> uh, just imagine what would happen if they disabled the software for the oximetry after people purchased it what kind of a rug oh pull? my goodness what kind of uproar oh my gosh yeah <laughs> I purchased, and for me, I would go out and purchase this simply because I want that feature because it's more telemetry. Um, and I've been holding off buying a new Apple watch because I don't, I don't think any iteration of it until now, and maybe the blood pressure version has added enough feature and function to warrant spending another, you know, 400, 500, $800. Um, anyway, it's a interesting situation. So. Let's see how much money actually gets thrown around. Hey, Apple, license it from the people that actually have it. If it's substantiated, you know, that might be a good solution here. But they may want, you know, well, no, we don't want you licensing it because we have a device and it's That's making true. more money than the license. You have to go see a doctor, or spend $500 on a blood pressure cuff. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily. Your iPhone can translate those cryptic symbols on clothing tags. And the author of this article tried it out and finally know how to wash that sweater. Uh, this is a business. The question is article. whether you're going to follow the instructions or just throw everything in together. Well, that's why I titled this. I just dump it all in until it's an even shade of gray. There you go. <laughs> See, I mean, this is getting really gray. So it's working. <laughs> you can never disappoint yourself if all you have are shades of gray clothing. Uh, my socks started out as bright, bright white, and now they're a deep, deep shade of gray. The iPhone's camera app has a built-in feature that decodes laundry symbols. I did not know that it did that. If a user takes a no. photo of a clothing tag, a lookup laundry care suggestion will appear. And here's a breakdown of exactly how it works. Oh my God. I had no idea. Who would know this? <laughs> how in the, 
Have you ever gone to look at the washing machine instruction or washing instructions on the tag of an especially fussy item of clothing only to find out it looks like a bunch of hieroglyphs? Yes. Uh, Kylie Kirchner over at uh, Business Insider put the article together and uh, it says, here's a breakdown. So let's see, did I put everybody in there? Yeah. So there's all the little cryptic symbols. Like what the hell are those two? Iron? Yeah, that Who must knows? that's ironing. Yeah, that looks like an iron. But that looks like a parking symbol. <laughs> you gotta park your butt right on it. Is that it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's an upwards triangle, so something delta. If it was downwards, I think it's flux. So I don't know what this means. Change in something. Don't change anything. Don't tumble dry. Um and uh Dip your hand. Oh, hand wash, probably. Oh, okay. Okay, let's see if this works. I might be an app. So the I function mean, is built into your iPhone. A lot. <laughs> be. Oh, reboot quick. The feature, which some users noticed back in 2023, back in 2023, so long ago, it's been a whole year. Shortly right, before the latest. Been December. <laughs> <laughs> they say seven. Uh, September. Um, the, the latest iOS launched publicly in September, so uh, it isn't so commonly known, but it's part of the iPhone camera app. A viral TikTok video from Elisa Mora or WTF Elisa on the app, which demonstrates how the function works, recently drew more attention to its existence. So they find an article of clothing and then you take a picture of the tag uh, go to the picture you've just taken in your photo library and click on the information symbol, a lowercase i with sparkles. Where's the lower? Oh, it's down there. It's not part of the picture. It's down in the interface. Oh, okay. So click on look up laundry care. And what? <laughs> look at the results. Oh, so wash by hand. Oh, don't bleach. There you go. Do not tumble dry. I got that one right. Ironing, I definitely I got, right? think of a triangle as meaning bleach. Normal dry cleaning using solvents. But you can't use bleach. Okay. Interesting. So I got all of these right, except for the do not bleach. I didn't know what that was. Um, I got oh. the wrong because I thought I was parking. And I didn't get that one right either. So, okay. I got three out of five. Cool. In reality, what I first thought this was, was you got to dip your hand in water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so. not sure that like, is that separate from the washing or <laughs> how mm -hmm. does that contribute to that? That's like, right. go make yourself a drink and then do the laundry or something. Yeah. It's like, uh, when your hand is asleep, you have to pat yourself on your back because it feels like somebody else is patting you on the back. You know, congratulations. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel. Everything we know about the Tim Houthi Chalamet, the Yemeni influencer celebrating Red Sea ship raids, fight over Red Sea shipping channels between Western militaries and Houthi revolutionaries is playing out online as well as on water. And that's pretty typical. Um, I mean, this almost sounds like an Onion article to me. Yeah, Tim Houthi Chalamet. 
It's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it's very weird. I have not looked at this article yet, but I'm a little worried about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go over to Vice. So Vice.com is the source of this article. Uh, Matthew Galt is the author. The deck statement says a handsome Yemeni influencer account vanished from TikTok after posting a tour of a captured cargo ship. Right? Like in oh, America, look. we might have like, um, I don't know, what would we have a tour of? Like your cooking area or something. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Or a, some abandoned uh, multi-million dollar compound. Sure, sure. Urban explorer kind of a thing. This, yeah. Uh, somebody is doing a, uh, a tour of a captured cargo ship from a terrorist activity. Yeah, gotta love that. So on January fifth, that's 5th, a new breed of something. <laughs> and he does. He looks like Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> that's kind of funny. He's got that hair, right? Except that instead of Dune, it's Waterworld. I mean, maybe he's previewing his next round of movies. I don't know. Oh God, Timothy Chalamet is going to be uh, a TikTok influencer that highlights. <laughs> captured cargo ships what kind of a sure. documentary well, no, i meant more like water themed uh movies <laughs> <laughs> wait 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 wait. he's gonna be doing water game never mind yemeni pirates posting casual tiktoks while the entire western imperial corps are having a meltdown about the blockade on their ships is funniest shit of 2024 surely a user wrote in a caption as of this writing, the video has been viewed more than 13 million times with social media users dubbing the handsome man, Tim Houthi Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. The internet. I mean, this is just too funny. The internet is sometimes just uh, perfect. You know, Tim Houthi is just one part of a larger phenomenon on the Red Sea conflict playing out online. Houthis post videos of their raids on Telegram which get shared on the website formerly known as Twitter. Yemeni politicians and military leaders post their speeches online. Influencers like Al-Haddad post um, media of the captured ships and remix the speeches. Captain Chris Harris, sorry, Captain Chris Hill, captain of the USS Eisenhower, which is bombing Yemen, is posting pictures of his ship's crew posing with cookies. That's surreal. What is going on? Yeah. So uh, TikTok isn't Al Haddad's only outlet. He appears to run numerous social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, YouTube, Snapchat, with thousands of followers. For example, his YouTube post, um, well, his YouTube page posted its first video a year ago and has over 26,000 subscribers. Yeah, because everybody wants to see destruction and conflict. On threads, he refers to himself as a media personality, actor, and photographer, and highlights his cross-platform follower accounts. In some of the photos, he's wearing military-style garb and carrying an AK-47. He also frequently posts messages of uh, support for Palestine. Houthi militants, frequently referred to as pirates in the West, are striking at Western ships in retaliation for their military support of Israel's ongoing siege of Gaza, which is damn near flattened entirely at this point. Um, and I'll just say what a lot of people maybe subconsciously realize, but have never really said it out loud. And this is what I tell, I talk to people about 
One person's freedom fighter is another person's terrorist. It all depends on which side of the fence you're on. And that fence has so many sides. It's unbelievable. Some people get engaged simply because they want to, and there's nothing more than that as motivation. Other people have some ideological bent beyond just that. I'm curious about kind of nature um, in everything in between. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. Uh, so there's more to this article, but I, I, I don't want to take away from what it really is. Um, which is drawing attention to the fact that the internet is amplifying messages from all walks of life, all corners of the planet. Um, and again, science, technology, and society are inseparable. And to say otherwise is ignorance, self-indulgent ignorance. Um, you know, so, if you asked me to say areas where the internet wouldn't have really gone, I would have said something like this. So I just, I think this is really fascinating. See, so I don't know, maybe things in the future are different. Um, but this has actually been uh, an ongoing venue for uh, messaging. Uh, you know, comments have been made and sent to press outlets, and it's published as a letter from, uh, yeah, a letter from the editor kind of a thing, um, where somebody decides that they're going to make some statement and and post it into a newspaper, a conventional newspaper. Nowadays there's zero friction and you can get online. And as long as you have a cell phone um, or a satellite phone or some means of doing it, you know, go to a coffee shop somewhere and post a message, but eventually <clears throat> security forces within a, within a, uh, within a country will triangulate you if you are on the wrong side of the multi angled fence. Um, because you could sit there like this person, they say something here. Where is it that it disappeared? Right. Let me see. Yeah. A handsome Yemeni influencers account vanished from TikTok after posting a tour of a captured cargo ship. So who had enough pull to make that disappear? I would not begin to speculate. So. Um, and what people see on, on one side of a firewall, a cultural or ideological firewall is different than what's on the other side of that same. It's just a different fence. It's just electronic. Um, go read this article, uh, over at, uh, vice.com from Matthew Galt. I think that, uh, you can't go wrong. It'll really raise awareness about just how powerful the amplifier that is the internet is. Uh, it sends a message far and wide um, beyond anything. <laughs> uh, you can think local all you want, but the best possible way to go global is going to be the Internet. Um, let's keep going, though. Uh, over in the mobile channel, Burger King will spend one billion dollars buying its own restaurants. Yeah, I mean, this is an odd transaction, <laughs> isn't it? So the reason why is because they're going to privatize Burger King as much as possible. And the increase in costs, the, the prices 
translate into money going to Burger King corporate. Okay. So all the franchisees have to pay a certain amount of their tickets to Burger King. Um, and Burger King, just like McDonald's is really just a logistics company funneling raw materials over to the various franchisees or franchises. So at the Burger King nearest the court's office, this is the article that comes from the court's uh, website, courts.com or qz.com actually uh, offices in New York city. $1 billion will buy you uh, 126,742,712 whoppers before tax restaurant brands, international or RBI, the parent company of Burger King and instead announced today, January 16th, that it will spend that much 1 billion us dollars acquiring its biggest us franchises, uh, or franchisee, I should say, um, Melvin Backman over at uh, QZ.com, AKA Quartz, put the article together. Um, and so the biggest franchisee, I think, is what is it? Carol's Restaurant Group. The deal will yield more than 1,000 new company owned locations. And it consolidates the wealth of the franchisees that were under the Carol's Restaurant Group. So all of them were subordinate franchise owners. Um, or part and parcel to Carol's restaurant group. They owned a bunch of these restaurants, but now for a billion dollars, they're consolidating all of that. Um, and the move is part of RBI's turnaround plan since 2022 dubbed reclaim the flame, which will see the owner of Tim Hortons Popeye's firehouse subs spend $400 million over two years, revamping Burger King marketing, digital products and refurbishing restaurants. The Carol's purchase is separate from that spending. So wow. they've made so much money that they can spend $1.4 billion over two years. I mean, isn't all of that revenue from the increased rates on things like French fries and the drive through? Oops. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Tom Curtis, president of Burger King US and Canada said in a news release that the Carol's deal will be an accelerator for reclaim the flame and RBI said it would spend an additional 500 million over the purchase price on remodeling its new shops. So almost $2 billion are going to be spent in the next X number of years, immediately 1.4 over two years, um, and 1 billion immediately just buying that brand. Um, and I think they just talk about other things from this point on, um, in the article. So I won't go there, but I start twitching when I see mergers and acquisitions and anyway, always man. good for the consumer. So, um, with Glee Burger King has now entered the fast food wars because it's going to consolidate its wealth and power and influence over all of the franchisees. And it can just start scooping them up. You know, why not? They know that they're making money. All they have to do, if they've got it all done right, then all of those 1000, if they can do it with 1000, they can do it with all of them. Just spend a little bit more money, incorporate them into the HR management system and you're done. And so they must get, they must have their act together. Um, but you're going to have somebody familiar with this. Like that do the franchisees have to sell back. No, but 
um, as far as I understand it, uh, franchisees, their franchise can be revoked. It'll turn into a lawsuit, but right. You know, if they're missing their mark and there's been any, you know, haphazard, whatever, then yeah, they can take it all back. By the way, they changed their Burger King logo to this and it's all of the signage that I've seen for Burger King now is much smaller and this just isn't really impressive. So if this is the flame, uh, it's not bright, but it is going to be very profitable for the few who in comparison to the, the, the plurality of franchisees, it's going to be profitable for those main investors. Um, and the price for goods and availability of those goods is going to decrease because they're going to maximize profits over availability and competition. Okay, let's keep on going though. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily. Uh, the author of this article over at business insider was shocked by all the tiny vehicles that they saw in Japan. And here are their top 16 Kai vehicles. Um, so Kai cars are small, light and cheap and they're cute. They're all over Japan, including big cities such as Tokyo, Kyoto and Osaka. Um, here are the most interesting tiny cars that this author saw on a recent trip to Japan, uh, along with the top pick. I won't go through all of these, but Alistair Barr is the um, author of this article over at Business Insider. Uh, before I do that, let me throw this into the chat. There you go. Um, and so here we go. So it says analysis by Alistair Barr. I like that analysis. So okay, the Daihatsu. That's really cute. Uh, this, this vehicle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here. Let me, oh, I'm already zoomed in. Wow, that's how small the car is. Um, so the Daihatsu Canvas Kai car in uh, Kyoto, Japan. I think it would be great to have these, but there are people out there that think that they have to have a vehicle that can roll over this um, and they don't feel it uh, because, I don't know, overcompensating for something. Um, so I don't know if this is their favorite but it basically looks like a VW um, van, you know, the minivan, yeah, microvan. Vanagon? Well, Vanagon is a different vehicle than the VW bus. Wow. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't make that mistake near anybody who's a VW bus fan. Um, Noted. Yeah. So uh, they recently saw a Cybertruck close up and was surprised by its size when they got to Japan a few weeks later. The contrast was shocking. These Kai vehicles exist. I've seen a few of these here in the States and they're pretty adorable. Nissan Sakura. Um, it's hard to tell the size of these things and they're not actually giving any of these measurements. They don't. Right, and they don't have anything, although that one has a kayak above it. <laughs> yeah, I think but so. Yeah, that is a kayak. But it's pretty typical that a kayak is bigger than the car. Unless it's an SUV. Hold on one second. Yeah, you, you could be talking. Um, no. <laughs> so, the 
Vanagon is a bigger, more comfortable version of the VW bus and the bus and the Vanagon um, <clears throat> are in the same family, but a Vanagon is it's VW Vans. Model. Yeah, it's a different thing. Just wanted Got to it. make sure that I phrased it properly. Um, I knew somebody that uh, would put performance um, engines inside Vanagon's. So turn them into sleepers. But anyway, um, Suzuki Alto, Daihatsu Tonto Custom, uh, which looks like a Scion XB. Yes, it does. Hmm. That's actually pretty cool. I kind of dig that. Honda N1. That looks like a Fiat to me. Yeah. Honda N Wagon. Back to the Scion XB or those derivative ones you know they look kind of like the scions like the cube or whatever it's called yes nissan days that looks like any other like micro vehicle that's out there right now daihatsu hijet this is the first truck that we've seen in the series and this is what i've actually seen here in the states um but they're basically these little utility vehicles that have a really stubby bed and, a, and it's a short um height of the bed walls um but these look like they would be a blast to drive around you know if not for the fact that if anybody, anybody hits, in a larger vehicle yeah yeah you basically are going to get buried in this thing the mazda az wagon looks like all the rest of them daihatsu move canvas um suzuki wagon r it's almost a, it's a little bit bigger than a scooter oh, okay <laughs> suzuki alto lapin looks like a mini that looks really close to a mini yeah it does like original school mini you know yeah um here's the mini cab truck from mitsubishi sorry for going up and down uh, when i scroll it doesn't let me i've got very little fidelity um because i got it set for a different level anyway suzuki hustler which i'll just leave that alone the Honda right, N-Box. That looks like a Scion. And that looks really... But it has suicide doors. So that's, that's really true. cool. I dig that styling. Um, I When the hood of your vehicle is about six inches, I don't think you even need one. Just push the, the, the uh, windshield, windshield right on out over the edge. You know, and make this the dash ultra deep. It's kind of like what the canoe is doing anyway. Uh, Suzuki palette, which I don't know. I think they mixed the wrong paint with this one. Honda life, which is almost a statement. Half of a Rolls Royce, <laughs> the guy car that <laughs> altered, that was altered to look like a Rolls Royce. Okay. Um, and then the, their, uh, Kai car verdict. Uh, out of all of the Kai manufacturers, Suzuki seemed the most dedicated to this important segment of Japan's auto market. So the Alto, the Hustler, the Alto Lupin are affordable and either beautiful or at least interesting to look at. So they like the Alto. But, uh, but there's more. Um, they've got actual pictures and you can go and take a look at it. If you're listening to this via the podcast, then you definitely want to follow the link that's in the show note. Um, that is... Uh, titled let's see tiny vehicles are fun there you go and that's already in the show in the vod 
It'll be in the show notes over on YouTube and in the podcast. So follow us. Uh, the next edit, uh, article is over at Omtown Daily in uh, omtown.com. Go check it out. And uh, a Redditor discovered that a San Francisco pizzeria operates over 70 brands on DoorDash from its kitchen, selling pasta, wings, dessert, and halal food. Um, the San Francisco pizzeria um, appears to operate more than 70 virtual brands on DoorDash selling all of this product. Um, I'm referring to this in the show notes as the special forces in the fast food wars. (laughs) Um, so these are typically referred to as ghost kitchens. They basically do all kinds of stuff from different brands because they have the ability to supply it. And I have absolutely no problem with a ghost kitchen existing as long as the quality meets what my expectation is for the brand. And if they don't, then the brand really should hear about it so that they address that ghost kitchen. So um, I have actually seen people do an investigative story on ghost kitchens. I've been to several of them in my area um, outside of Omtown. Omtown would never have a ghost kitchen. In fact, everybody is so kind that if you hang out in Omtown, you could probably just walk into a resident's house because they would have walked out and had said, Hey, come on in. I'm having tea or here is a crumpet. Excuse me. What's a crumpet? Have you ever met a crumpet? Yeah. I, I, um, I've never had a crumpet. I didn't like, um, now a grit, excuse me. What's a grit. So a pizzeria in San Francisco appears to operate more than 70 uh, different virtual brands on DoorDash and go look it up on uh, YouTube ghost kitchens and you'll find various, you know, documentaries about ghost kitchens. So don't sweat it, just order. And if it sucks, then notify the brand. If it is all weird, 70 out of one restaurant. Yeah, I've actually seen that. Um, and there is, um, well, a YouTuber that did their own little investigation into this and ordered like 14 sandwiches, but they're all coming from the exact same organization, the same ghost kitchen. It was quite awesome to see it. So, uh, the articles over at business insider, Grace Dean is the author. Um, I won't go through the whole thing because this is actually kind of, um, straightforward it it is a ghost kitchen and i i've said it like countless times now business insider found 76 doordash storefronts listed at that address including some for national brands like dickie's barbecue pit the brands operating from the address uh 21 burger avenue and wild burger joint at pizza at pizza or two pizza at pizza pilgrims and polk street pizza and desserts at cake slice company and sweet insert um, others specialize in pasta, chicken wings, calzones, cheesesteaks, shawarma, and, uh, sandwiches. I find it interesting that there are competing storefronts out of the same location, right? Like the same food style. See, but it's all delivery or immediate pickup from a generic white label window. And so everybody is competing, but the ghost kitchen is providing the mechanism by which it's delivered. 
And therein lies the big rub, because if a customer starts complaining about the ghost kitchen, one brand may hear about it and all the rest may not. If that brand fails from the ghost kitchen, then they're going to be in another ghost kitchen and the others will have to wait until they get complaints about the poor performance of that ghost kitchen, but they ne may never. Um, so it's really the one major winner is the ghost kitchen because they're getting all of this business and a piece of the action. Um, as well. So yeah, I, I hate to like kind of go through this whole thing, uh, because that's exactly what it is. Delivery aggregators are slashing some of the virtual brands, cluttering their apps. That is actually a discussion as well. Um, that I've already seen discussed on YouTube, which is another part of this article um, where they're getting rid of superfluous items because they're optimizing around the ones that are actually moving. Um, and, and it says they're sometimes prepared at dedicated ghost kitchens and they talk about that. Um, so a virtual brand is nothing more than a brand that is using a ghost kitchen instead of ramping up their own commercial kitchen, which can be wildly expensive, um, that you have to deal with so much more. Why not just find a ghost kitchen that's already spun up, pay them the fee and you live off of the margin. You provide them everything by the way. So it's not like these virtual brands don't really exist. Somebody has to provide the mechanisms by which the ghost kitchen puts everything together. Um, so whatever it is, they say, this is how many I need. And, and the company, the virtual brand pays for it because it isn't the ghost kitchen that actually owns all of the brands. They just facilitate. Hey, they're um, just a location. Yeah. And we talked about this. I swear we've talked about this more than a year ago. We did, and I don't remember, I think it was just kind of featuring like the prevalence of ghost kitchens. I don't know if it was about a specific one. I think, and no, no, no. I think we ended up also talking in another episode about the fact that they're starting to get rid of the fluff um, material, the, the product, um, so that it was more concentrated in that, see, like Uber Eats removed 8,000 last spring and summer and DoorDash says it'll remove brands that virtual uh, brands quality requirements. So this is stuff that we've talked about uh, here in hometown um, more than a year ago. So yeah, go and check this out. Uh, if you want to be brought up to date about what the current situation is with um, ghost kitchens, this is by far not the most, um, what abused um, type of business model. This is actually providing a very good service because you don't have just a, a ton of buildings that have been spun up for very, these, these 70 brands need a physical presence. And so these 70 brands are selling from one location or other, like a multitude of ghost kitchens. Um, instead of, you know, wiping out some small mom and pop shop and then replacing the building or uh, installing another building or whatever, um, they're saving money. They're taking advantage of the smaller business. 
and by taking advantage, I mean, they're utilizing the smaller business um, to provide the solution. So um, I have no problem with it as long as it isn't, you know, uh, predatory, I guess you could say. Right. I mean, and if it's serving good food and customers like it, yeah, I don't really see a downside to it. Yeah, it's it's the Westworld, you know, idea. If you can't tell the difference, does it matter? Just enjoy your food. Who cares where it actually comes from? As long as it is the legit, you know, food and not, well, we can't, we're not allowed to legally call it pizza because it's not pizza. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be another kind of problem. That's that whole SNL skit. Uh-huh. What, what is this, Karen? What, what, what do you mean? It's pizza. Okay. Let me go on to the next. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily mystery snake worm new to science discovered in Alaska in an X files case. And I titled this section. If you want an X file, you name it snake worm. It's a rare day when someone brings uh, an insect in Alaska that leaves them totally dumbfounded. Alaska wildlife expert, Derek Sykes told newsweek. Uh, the article is over in newsweek.com and, uh, I don't think this is it. This is the bizarre saddleback caterpillar found in us packs, a nasty sting. I'm not sure we want to play that. Pandora Dewan is the author. All of those, all our articles really are like opening up Pandora's box. Um, I love them. I mean, it's just, it's awesome articles, but so the species is called uh, what is it? Sciara serpens. It's a tiny gnat with a bizarre life cycle. During its larval stage, the gnat exists as a slimy, translucent worm. But that's not the strangest thing about it. When the worms get together, they wriggle into a snake-like procession made up of hundreds of individuals crawling over each other in a directional frenzy. Oh, I've seen these. Uh, not in person. I've seen this before. First learned of them in the summer of 2007 when Maggie Billington, a docent at the University of Alaska Museum of the North. Museum of the North! Where they're an insect curator, brought them specimens and photos and described the bizarre phenomenon. Alaska insect experts Derek Sykes told Newsweek, it's a rare day. Sneakworm behavior has been uh, previously observed in a few species of North America and Europe with sightings dating back to the 1700s, but we found large genetic differences between our new species and the closest apparent relative in Europe, which also exhibits the snake worm behavior. We also found differences in the male genitalia that supported the hypothesis that we found in undescribed species. Uh, the uh, problem is snake worms are notoriously difficult to study. Well, yeah, particularly their male genitalia. Um, snake worm gnat adults are rarely encountered in the phenomenon in which thousands of their larval or larva travel in a long snake like column is so also rare, short lived and unpredictable. <laughs> Uh, it happens to all guys. Don't worry about it. Um, anyway, Sykes said, even experts in these flies have never seen the phenomenon in person. It's thrilling to be confronted with a rarely seen entomological mystery. 
of such a dramatic nature. There's more over here in this article, but uh, let me just say that I earlier today heard somebody use entomological instead of etymological. <laughs> uh, and I kind of chuckled. Giggles? Uh, well, uh, I left before they discovered that they had used the wrong thing. Um, but it was entertaining. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. So let's go on to the next article. There we go. So, um, the next article is over in hometown daily Tesla's are clogging up a Chicago supercharger station as freezing temperatures play havoc with EVs. So this is really interesting to me, right? We're always talking about unexpected issues with EVs. Now climate change is just making for more reasons why you might want to rethink this. What? No, that's not what's going on. Everybody really likes Chicago charging stations. They're, it, it, oh, they're, they're having a convention or something. It's a trunk party. It's they're they're tailgating. It's a tailgate party. They're just showing up in the freezing cold to hang out and have a beer, which freezes instantly as it exits the can. Oh, yes. There was a separate article about that, I think, yesterday, but I didn't submit it. So Teslas are clogging up Chicago supercharger station as freezing temperatures play havoc with EVs. Tesla drivers in Chicago are battling freezing temperatures. I've been saying to people that you... Uh, EVs are not ready for prime time because of various environmental issues and the uh, chemistry of the battery and electrical systems not being hardened against the cold. It's happened in uh, in uh, Texas where it's gotten so cold that uh, that equipment that wasn't hardened for the cold basically shuts down. And the same thing happens with the chemistry and electric in the EV batteries and the, the charging system and basically power distribution within an EV. It drains the battery. It increases the resistance. You basically have a dead vehicle pretty damn quick. Beatrice Nolan over at businessinsider.com put the article together. And um, it says that uh, Fox 32 reported that EV drivers face long lines at charging stations throughout the city. And that's because everybody has to come over and charge their car more because it's not as efficient. And it happens on both ends of the spectrum. When it's too hot, it does that. And when it's too cold, it does that. One Tesla owner told Fox that she was forced to abandon her car after it failed to charge. Uh, that's really what you want in freezing temperatures. Six hours at a supercharger. One driver, Tyler Beard, said that it's still at zero percent. Yeah. Yeah. Cold weather and EVs do not work together. This is probably the one time where I'll say that good for you, Wyoming. You prevented Tesla drivers from being victimized by the hype of EVs in the modern age. EVs are known to struggle in cold weather with not just cold weather, but hot weather as well with car batteries draining much faster and significantly affecting vehicle performance. Tesla owners have complained about facing issues in freezing temperatures before several have shared videos that appear to show a car door frozen shut. Um, but that's not even the worst of it. It's just that 
because that happens with uh, ice and uh, ice oh, vehicles as well. Vehicles, yeah. yeah. And in uh, 2022, one Tesla owner told Business Insider that his car wouldn't charge in freezing temperatures, leaving him stranded on Christmas Eve. After charging the car for 15 hours, Dominic Natty said that he was forced to cancel his Christmas plans altogether. See? But this would not happen if you had fast swap batteries, because you could pull into a, a, a fast swap battery center, swap out for fresh batteries, the replaced batteries, the old batteries go into a facility where it's conditioned and charged, not in freezing temperatures, but also not at room temperature. It's at the environmentally required temperature for uh, most efficient charging. But then you all you have to do is go to the next fast swap battery station if your batteries are low instead of sitting around for anywhere between two and 15 freaking hours. Why and haven't we learned below zero temperatures? Right. Yeah. And that's the worst of it. So and you can't get to see, but I don't even have a problem really with the cold. That's not the worst of it. The worst of it is you can't get your time back. We all have somewhere around 80 years of existence. I do not want to be spending every other day for six hours <laughs> right. charging my damn car. That's not how you want to spend your time. I was thinking you're not going to get your time back if you're sitting stranded somewhere and you can't get your char car to charge. And guess what you don't have when your car is not charged? Heat. Correct. Well, you might be draining your car for the heater. <laughs> true, That's why true. he was sitting in his car, freezing his butt off while it was sitting at zero because it was basically stasis break even right there. Right. It's, it's just so dumb. All of it is just dumb. So anyway, we're done folks. Um, we did this pretty fast and efficient, unlike the charging systems during the cold. So everybody back into the party bus and we'll drive all the way back down Main Street. And then here is the front page. And I'm not sure if it's safe to hit refresh. What do you say, AI? Do you think that it's safe? I'll try um, and vamp while you check here. actually search. Because I'm afraid it that if is I safe. this. Oh, okay. Well, let's see what happens. Oh, look. Google updates Chrome incognito tab message following a lawsuit. Jeez, what the hell happened there? I haven't even heard about this. Uh, Coachella 2024 lineup, Lana Del Rey, Tyler, eh, Tyler, the creator. Sorry. It, when there's a comma, I pause. Oh, right. I thought those was, were separate. Can you imagine getting the creator to show up at Coachella 2024? I that'd mean, be that'd be pretty impressive. I mean, everybody else is at Coachella, so why not? <laughs> uh, doja cat no doubt no doubt didn't know they were still Whoa. doing something <laughs> didn't either anyway uh and that's it folks a tennessee otter enjoys playing in the sun in the snow really all right that's it we're done I'm Marwat, that's hometown.com, and up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI that keeps tabs of Marwat. Thanks for doing the news with me. You want to say bye? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and TikTok, and Twitch, Patreon. 
Discord. I think that's everywhere. Ah. My effort to be entirely replaced by the AI is almost complete. <laughs> I'll see you at the beach. Boop.